This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Kavnis. Hello, and welcome to Kavnis HR Podcast. Our guest today is Paul Maskell. Paul, are you ready to be great today? I am ready, Jason. Paul started his first service-based business in 2011. Before he knew it, he was working 60 hours a day, 60 hours a week, until he realized that he had no freedom and the business needed him to, to survive. So Paul started to system, systematize everything. By putting the systems, processes, and people in place, his revenue doubled to almost 500K, while the number of hours he worked dropped below 40. Paul then sold his business for three times net profit. He's now a coach, consultant, and investor for small businesses, ready to break free and achieve the income and freedom they sought when they started their business. Paul, why is it that a lot of people don't know how to delegate? Yeah, so uh, I think it comes probably from fear originally. They think that nobody will do it as well as they can. They don't trust people and they have an ego that it's their baby and they have to do it because nobody can do it as well as they can, which might be true, but it really comes down to kind of what you had mentioned in the intro is the systems and process. You look at the most successful businesses, they're successful because they have systems and processes in place, which allows them to really hire for personality and then train for the job because they have all the training materials there. If you look at kind of a franchise model, they can really plug anybody into that model because they know they have all the tools they need to succeed. And most small business owners just don't. They're too busy. They're working too much. They're on the verge of burnout. And whenever they do delegate something, they don't do it properly. So then it gets done the wrong way, at least in their mind. So then they tell themselves they're just better off doing it themselves. That's always amazing. Like people will say, well, I have to do it myself. They don't know how to do, do it as good as me. Well, of course they don't. You haven't given them a chance, you know. Of course, you know, one first, second, third time they're going to do it as good, but eventually they'll do it as good as you and then this less you got to do. I just never understood that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's, you know, nobody will do it as good as you will, but I tell anybody if they can do it 80% as well as you can, that's probably still really good because you are the best at what you do. A lot of people probably discount that. They just want it done their way because they think it's the only way. But when they do delegate it, it doesn't get done that way because they don't have the proper training, the infrastructure, the support, because they're too busy. If you, any of the listeners out there read, have read or read the e-myth, they're busy working in their business all day and they don't have time to work on their business. So when those people fail that they delegate to, that's really, you know, a bigger issue with who's running the show and who's leading. If, if your employee or your team member fails, it's not their fault. It's actually your fault because you didn't put them in the right position to succeed in the first place. That's a great point. People say, well, he didn't do, do the good as I did. Well, of course he didn't. You didn't train him, you didn't show nothing. You just gave it to him and told him to do it. What, what do you expect? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's totally true. They assume you know, a few too many things. You really got to get really, really down into the details and assume nothing. Assume whoever you're delegating it to knows nothing about the process, nothing about the industry, nothing about the niche. You know, One of the stories I think even on my podcast, somebody I was talking about is if you tell somebody to put stripes on a shirt, well, if you just tell them to put stripes on a shirt, they can put it a thousand different ways. They're probably going to do it differently than you did. You might have meant pinstripes and they put on you know, prison stripes or something like that because you didn't give them enough and you just assumed, well, we're in the business industry. Why would you even put and stripes on in the first place. But you can't assume anything because that leaves you know a little bit of room for error out there. And most people aren't comfortable enough because you haven't created the culture. They're not comfortable enough to you know go back to you and say, hey, is this what you meant? Can you give a little bit more details? They're thinking, oh man, my boss is going to think I'm stupid yet that I don't know what he means. And I'm just going to wing it and show them you know, how good and creative I can be and try and figure it out this on my own. 
Exactly. So Paul, what, what's keeping you busy right now? What, what are you working on right now? Yeah. So I'm really busy kind of doing a couple things. So as you mentioned in the intro, uh, previous business uh, was a service-based business. I grew it, scaled it, sold it. And I really love focusing on the service-based world, mainly because it's very people intensive. You got to build the right teams and it it's really puts a focus on customer experience. So I'm kind of doing, you know, like you said, coaching, consulting, and investing. So I help small business owners put systems, processes, and people in place so they can go from working in their business to working on their business. So they can go from business operator to business owner and CEO and really, you know, achieve the goals that they set out when they started their business. So that's, you know, one of my focuses is working with those small service-based business owners who normally they start their business because they're really good at it or they have a passion for it. Unfortunately, you know, the business starts to consume them and that passion goes away and it really just becomes a very stressful job because they're stuck providing that service 24-7. And if they stop, the money stops as well because they're way too dependent on themselves to produce that income. So that's one of the things. And then also investing in small businesses as well. So finding a business that provides a great service and they just, you know, they need more than a coach. They need more of a consultant and they need me to come in and kind of help them, you know, right the ship and get it going in the right direction and kind of be that leader from a, you know, operations, CEO, COO type role. So they can really start to focus on what they do and what you know, what they love because there's so many moving parts to running a business. You know, a lot of people start it not really realizing that. Just, you know, a quick example, if someone says, I'm going to start a landscaping business, well, I need a lawnmower, I need a weed whacker, I need a blower, and I'm in business. Well, yeah, that's great to go deliver that service, but there's so many other things on the back end that you have to know how to do and do well to really start to scale that business. What happens when you run out of time in the day? How do you start hiring people? How do you hire them and make sure that they do the job just as well as you can? So that's really, you know, what's keeping me busy uh, today. Paul, so when someone comes to you and they want you to coach them, how do you determine that you'll be a good fit for this person? Yeah, that's a great question, Jason. So really, one, they have to be really good at the service they provide. So the service-based industry is pretty much commoditized at this point, no matter what industry you're in, no matter if you're a landscaper, you're an auto mechanic, whatever service your business provides, there's thousands of other people doing that as well. So one, you have to be really good at what you do. And two, you have to be coachable. Not everybody's coachable. Being coachable means doing things differently than you've done in the past. And a lot of people aren't comfortable with change. And you got to be willing to kind of put in that work. You know, I, I kind of liken it to building a house. It takes a really long time to build the foundation of a house. It's not fun. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous, but it has to be done. And someone has to do that dirty work. And then you can start scaling that house as big as you want. Unfortunately, a lot of people start scaling that house, you know, as big as they want before the foundation is there, basically building a house of cards. And then they never get to enjoy that house. They never get to decorate it the way they want. They never get to put in the nice landscaping because, you know, they're really stuck just trying to keep that house of cards, you know, still standing and not blowing over. So those are really, you know, some of the things that I look and they got to be really good at what they do. They got to have a passion for it. They got to be willing to be coached. They got to be willing to make changes, you know, and willing to kind of get outside the box and get outside their comfort zone to get to where they want to go. Paul, so how does it work? Do most small business owners come to you on their own? Or are they like influenced by other people like their investors or business people to come to you? Yeah, so it's uh, a variety of ways. So obviously referrals are huge when you provide a good service. Any good service-based business is going to be have a big referral base because that's, you know, even though it's not might not be word of mouth like it used to be back in the day where you're just telling your friends word of mouth still works just the same on social media. So getting the word out that way, I do also have a podcast out there that I put out on a regular basis to help small business owners achieve that freedom. So I get some inquiries from there. And then using, you know, online marketing tactics, local marketing tactics. I work with people here locally in Raleigh, North Carolina, as well as people all over, you know, North America. And really with the power of even the tools we're using today, power of Zoom, it's really easy to coach anybody and work with anybody, no matter where they're at or what time zone they're in, as long as they're committed. So Paul, for the companies you invest in, 
How does a small business owner convince you to invest in a company? What do they have to bring to you? What do they have to show you? Well, one, they have to show potential. And like we said before, even from the coaching standpoint, they have to be willing to make those changes. They have to be willing to give up power. It's really tough for a lot of small business owners to give up power and then go through change at the same time. You know, I'm, I have business background. I have a finance degree. And, you know, I really like looking at it from a pure business standpoint because I'm going to rely on them to provide the great service that they provide. Because like I said, most service-based businesses were started by somebody that's really good at providing that service. So I kind of want them to be the expert in the service that they provide and I'll work with them to build a team so that way they don't have to provide that service anymore and they can build a team and they can kind of be that leader you know, that they really want to be. It's just really getting them out of their comfort zone to do that. And there's just so much opportunity in the service-based world because of that. So many businesses out there were started by these people with the passion in providing that service, but they just don't have that business you know, background because they've, they've never done it before. And they've always just been that one, I'm going to work 60 to 80 hours a week. I'm going to cut 100 lawns this week and I'm going to make $100,000, which is all true, but you don't have a business at the end of the day. All you have is a really stressful job. So when you can combine that passion and that expertise with somebody like myself that has a really strong business background, there's just so much opportunity opportunity because there's just not a lot of businesses taking advantage of what's out there today. For the small businesses that that you uh, consult with, what have you seen that makes them successful? And is there any differentiating factors that have been successful and ones that haven't made it? I mean, there's, I, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of differentiating factors. One is they have to have self-awareness. So they have to know what they're good at and what they're not good at. Unfortunately, a lot of business owners think and will do everything. They think they can do everything. They will do everything. And they're not focusing on their strengths. They might be focusing on their weaknesses. I got to get better at this. I got to get better at this. Well, why try and keep getting better at something when you can hire somebody that's really good at that and you can delegate it and not have to worry about it. So they have to be self-aware of what they're good at, what they're not, and how can I, you know, fill that role of, you know, supporting their weaknesses so they can really focus on their strengths and get that passion back of why they started their business in the first place. So, you know, that's really one thing. And then obviously it's got to be work ethic. At the end of the day, you know, you either have it or you don't. Are you willing to put in the work now so you don't have to put in the work later? When you just like back to building that house, you got to be willing to do that dirty work, build that foundation before you delegate every, anything, before you automate everything. You really want to get it perfected in your way you really need to take the time to document it and get those standard operating procedures in place. So then you can delegate, you can then automate, and then you have a systematized business. So you got to be willing to do things you know, for a long-term gain. If I put a bunch of systems in place today, I'm not going to see all the benefits tomorrow. So they got to be seeing you know, the bigger picture of it's not, we're not going to make a million dollars overnight, but we're going to build a business that's worth a lot more, that's going to make you a lot more and allow you to really maximize you know, your worth your income and the return, get you that return on your investment that you should. As a business owner, you took the risk to be a business owner. You took the risk to go out there on your own. You took the risk to invest money and time and sweat equity into this. You really should be able to reap the rewards, which is a business that can survive without you on a day-to-day basis, which allows you to focus on the bigger picture things and be that leader and CEO that you need to be. I know a lot of people will tell you, well, I got to work harder. Well, that's true. You do have to work harder, but you need to work harder and smarter to go where you got to do. Working hard isn't going to get you anywhere if you're not doing what you need to do. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, even that, you know, working hard, there's a lot of people working hard. I kind of equate it to the difference between being busy and being productive everybody's busy. If you go walk and talk, walk on the street today and talk to 10 people, nine or 10 of them are going to tell you how busy they are. But are they actually productive? Are you spending your time on things that are moving the needle? You know, we can all work hard, but is it the best use of your time? When you say yes to something, you're saying no to everything else in the world at that point. So, you know, if you're spending your time doing something that you could pay somebody $15 an hour to do, that's really not that exciting. And that's really not 
you know, that's not going to last very long. You're better off just go getting a job at that point, making more and having benefits along the way. So, you know, really combining that working hard with working smart to get the best return on your time, because at the end of the day, time is your most valuable asset and how you spend it is going to differentiate you from anybody else out there. Like example for me, for my first two, three podcasts I did, I did the trying to myself. I was like, there has to be a better way than this. So I want to find someone on Fiverr for a decent price. Yeah. And stuff like that is, you know, even at the small business level, they, they just don't know those things are out there. They think if I need help, I got to find somebody and bring them into an office and get them all set up and, you know, get them at least 20 hours a week. And with something like Fiverr or finding a virtual assistant, Fiverr, you can just, hey, I need this transcribed. I'll pay you five bucks and they'll do it or whatever it is. I've used Fiverr a ton of times for different things that need to be done, but they don't need to be done by me because it's not the best use of my time. So exactly. whether it's a virtual assistant, really ask yourself before everything that you do, is this the best worth of my, you know, best use of my time? Or could I be spending time on something that's actually going to move the needle and get my business to where I want it to go? Paul, can you talk about a time you were successful in the past, what you learned from the success and what our listeners can learn from the success you had in the past? Yeah. So I think, I mean, one of the bigger ones was when I did sell my business. So with a service-based business, it's really built on people. You're not just selling a widget. You know, you're not just selling an app that can scale to the moon. It's a local service-based business. So that was probably, you know, one of the bigger successes. What I tell everybody, if I can do it, so can you. The key is to start with the end in mind. So too many business owners, their goal is just to survive this day, keep the ship afloat and not have too many fires to put out. When really you need to figure out what is the end game with your business. Do you want to sell it? Do you want to hire someone to run it and you go off and start another venture? Do you want to be the CEO working 40 to 50 hours a week, but having a team in place? Whatever it is, once you get there, it's a lot easier to then work backwards and start putting those systems and processes and people in place. So, you know, what I really learned in scaling those, scaling things, you know, anywhere is you need to do the little things and then big things will happen. So attention to detail, taking care of your customers, because at the end of the day, the customer experience is what's going to win out because they can get your service, they can get your product from anywhere. So, you know, what my listeners can learn is be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. Focus on the customer experience. That is where you want to go. You know, really put yourself in the customer's shoes. How do you, you know, how do you feel when you get the best customer experience, the best customer service possible? It feels great. You want to go spend more money with them and you've really taken the service out of the equation. Cause like I said, you can get that service from anywhere, uh, but how you provide that service is not a commodity and how you do that. I always equate it to Chick-fil-A. Anybody that has Chick-fil-A in their area, they sell one thing. They sell chicken sandwiches. You can get those from a million different places but they focus on the customer experience and it's because they have the systems and processes in place. So once you start looking at it that way, it's going to make it a lot easier. Have that big picture, you know, hey, in two years, I want to be here. Well, in order to get there, I need to be here after one year. In order to get there at the end of this year, I need to be here in six months. And after, you know, to get there in six months, I need to be here at the end of the quarter. And then once you get to that quarter perspective, then you can really dig into what do you need to do today to get you one step closer to where you want to be at the end of the quarter. And then really, you know, the last thing to the listeners is value your time. Time is your most valuable asset. You can never get more time. You can always go get more money, but you can't get more time. So start valuing your time if you're doing things in your business all day that somebody else could do with the proper training, start putting those systems in place. And by systems, I simply mean a step-by-step process to get things done in a systematic way, which means they happen the same way every time. So that way you can find people on your team that fit your team atmosphere, fit your culture, can build a rockstar team to grow your business with you. Yes. So talking about Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A recently came to this area. It was crazy. Like the line to the drive like for miles and miles. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Chick-fil-A, if anybody hasn't really followed them, just look into their business principles. It's fantastic. 
they've put every system in place. So that way, anybody they hire can just focus on the customer experience. And anybody that they hire is a good fit for their team. They don't go hiring someone that's the best chicken fryer or the best French fry fryer. They hire someone that's the best teammate because then they can train them how to do any job in there, which allows them to then focus on the customer experience, which sets them apart from anybody else. Yes. And it seems like a lot of business owners, they focus on building a product and don't spend no time on, you know, the customer experience. You know, you might have a great product, but if your customer is not having a great user experience, what, what good is it going to do, do you? Exactly. They don't, they don't care about that at all. Next, Paul, talk about the time you failed in the past, what you learned from this and what our listeners can learn from this. Yeah, I would say, I mean, when I was working 60 to 80 hours a week, I was probably actively failing. It's not like I failed and the business ended, but I was on a path of, you know, basically a non-sustainable business model because if I disappeared or if I got hit by a bus, my business would stop making money pretty quickly, which would leave, you know, my family in disarray. They wouldn't know what to do or how to do it because everything was in my head. And I would sit down every day. I knew what I needed to do, but nothing was documented. So, you know, if something, God forbid, happened to me, the business would be gone pretty quickly you know, and I would be letting a lot of customers down. I'd be letting a lot of employees down and then my family down and somebody would have to be there to clean up the mess. So, you know, always really kind of thinking worst case scenario, but I realized it wasn't sustainable and my business wouldn't thrive without me. I love working. Working 60 hours a week isn't a lot when there's 168 hours in the week. So 60 hours a week, that still leaves you 108 hours to do something else. You know, you can sleep for 40 or 50 and that still leaves 50 or 60 to do whatever you want. But how you spend those 60 hours is the difference. And I was spending 60 hours a week mainly doing things that I could pay somebody else to do that loved it, that was good at it, as long as they had the right support. And once I realized that, then I was able to spend my time on the business, growing the business, being a leader, putting my people in the right places and collaborating with them to grow the business together, which in turn gave my you know, employees more opportunity as well. Paul, can you tell us about someone who's helped in the past and how they helped you? Yeah. So I would say it's an interesting question. I mean, people, I listen to podcasts. I, I read books all the time. People are always helping me, even if I've never talked to them or met them. But kind of personally, on my podcast, I had interviewed Tom Schwab. He is person behind Interview Valet for anybody in the podcasting world. But he had a quote, super simple quote, but really has stuck with me since I interviewed him probably eight or nine months ago now. And he basically said, what's normal and simple to you is amazing to others. And once I, you know, that started to sink in, it made total sense. And you can take that with your business, no matter what you do, what you take for granted, what you can do in your sleep is amazing to other people. And once you start realizing that you can, you're really going to start to put a value on what you're doing versus how much time it takes. And just kind of a snippet of that, there's kind of a quick story of, I think it was say Pablo Picasso and somebody walks up to him on the street and says, Hey, can you paint a portrait of me? And he paints a portrait of him and he says, okay, how much do I owe you? He says $5 million. He's like $5 million. That took you 30 minutes. He said, no, actually it took a lifetime of training and working on my craft. So don't discount what you know and don't discount, you know, how good you're at it because what's normal and ordinary to you is amazing to others. That's a great quote. I love that quote. I'm going to start using that. I really <laughs> like that. So Paul, tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. Or like, you know, your close friends, close family know this, but most people don't know this about yourself. Yeah. So I used to work in the finance world. I lived in Chicago, was doing the corporate grind, playing in spreadsheets all day. And I got sick of it. So I actually quit my job in Chicago and uh, went off to South America for two, month, two months and backpacked around and just hung out before my next move, which was eventually starting my next business. So most people probably, most people that I know on a day-to-day basis, they, they probably are wondering how could I do that for two months without you know, being attached to anything and not working at all. I bet that was a great learning experience for you though, those two months. It really, it really was. And it was just good to get away. And you really, you know, you, you get a lot of gratitude because you realize most people in other countries are a lot happier than people here in America. And they have 
you know, as far as tangible things, they have almost nothing compared to what all the tangible things we have here in the States. And it really puts everything in perspective that, you know, most physical things that we own, they really don't add any value. It's really about the relationships, the people and, you know, the environment that you're putting yourself in. Because those people down there were happier, especially coming from Chicago, a big city where everyone's trudging through, getting on the train, getting on the subway, getting on the bus, going to work, trudging back. You know, there just wasn't a lot of happy people in Chicago. They weren't excited to go do their job for, you know, 60 hours a week. So getting away really made me realize that there's more to this world and to not waste any more time doing something that I don't want to do for the rest of my life. Paul, I understand you have a book to recommend for our listeners. Yeah. So this was probably the main reason I recommended it. it was the first, really the first ever business book I read. And it's called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. It's a great book. I still have kind of the, the values posted on my board here. And that was probably seven or eight years ago. Definitely recommend anybody go check it out. The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. Fantastic read. Super quick. You can probably read it in a couple hours. That would be my number one recommendation. Just based on what it's done for me. And Paul, I understand you have something for our listeners today. Yeah. So anybody out there that owns a service-based small, you know, small business that's looking to start putting systems and processes and people in place, I just have a simple one-page cheat sheet, the six mistakes to avoid before systematizing your business. So before you go out and start doing all these things, just some of the mistakes to avoid that I made, if you just go to the URL biz freedomformula.com, B-I-Z, freedomformula.com. Type that in and that will go where you can download that free cheat sheet. It's total, you know, no cost, no nothing, just to help any small business owner out there before it's really kind of getting that foundation set before you start putting these systems in place. Paul, can you share your social media with us so people can reach out to you? Yeah. So I think the easiest, if you just went to my website, paulmaskill.com, it has links to all my social media, or if you just look for me on Facebook or Twitter, I think there's only three Paul Maskills in the world, me, my father, and then some random guy over in England, I think. So not too hard to find either on Twitter, Facebook, uh, and you can always go to my website as well. Paul, what's the name of your podcast again? So the podcast is also on my website, but it's called the Business Owners Freedom Formula Show. So it's three days a week. One of the days on Tuesdays, we do an interview with business experts, authors, thought leaders, entrepreneurs. And then on Wednesdays, I share quick tips on what's working for small business owners. So it's called What's Working Wednesday. It's either apps, tools, strategies. And then on Friday, I answer a frequently asked question. It's called Freedom Fridays. Both of the Wednesday and Friday episodes are less than 10 minutes. So it's a good way to just get some actionable tips to implement in your business today. Paul, we'll come to the end of our talk. Can you provide any last minute advice or wisdom for our listeners? Yeah. So everybody, you know, everybody always wants to make changes. They want to get to the promised land, but they're not really comfortable doing that. So a couple quotes that I like to live by is, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. So people want different results, but they're not willing to do things differently to get those results. And people just procrastinate too much. You know, I kind of realized it. I only worked in the corporate world for three years. But like I said, I realized that why spend any more time doing something that I don't want to do for the rest of my life? So if there is an idea, there's something you want to go do, just go do it. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Go out there, make mistakes. The only way you're going to get better is by failing, making mistakes, learning from it, and improving. If you're waiting until it's perfect, you'll be waiting forever and you'll have a lot of regret when, the, when it's all said and done. It's not like a lot of people's philosophy is, you know, change is good as long as it doesn't, as long as it doesn't involve me. <laughs> exactly. That's probably a good way to put it. Paul, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for all the, all the help you do to give to all the small business owners. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. So, thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation and uh, look forward to following your podcast as well. Thank you. To so listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again and be great every day.